0: Blue wire.
1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing?
2: Trades, trades, trades.
1: Yeah, we are talking trades today. Obviously, we still have plenty of off-season previews and stuff like that to do, but we know that you guys want some trade talk. We got some trade talk from you. We're going to touch on that and plenty more. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start?
2: Let's start with the Dinwiddie and trades, in because we've got a couple of those. And we'll start with yours truly. You know, One that I put out because I was just uh, a bit bored and there's no <laughs> Nets basketball, so I have to relate something to the Brooklyn Nets. And I put out there Dinwiddie for Patrick Beverly in a sign and trade. Now, taking. Nick, just go, because I, I don't even think I believe this anymore after watching last night's game. This was up like the first quarter, mind you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had obviously the thing with Patrick Beverly last night, and I'm uh, pushing Chris Ball in the back, and obviously all of his antics. And some might say that's what the Nets need. So I wouldn't like completely rule it out as like a terrible trade, but also like I'm still under the impression where I like don't really want to help the Clippers or Lakers like just because I think they're going to be a team that the Nets are going to face. And like, they have no other Avenue to sign Spencer Dinwiddie and like the Nets getting Patrick Beverly doesn't really do that much for them. Then they'd be playing two undersized guards in a closing lineup. He'd kind of just be like a backup. So I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Pat Bev. I always felt like he was kind of overhyped for his antics and his offensive game is kind of inconsistent. And we've seen him get benched in the postseason. Like he was benched during different points of this postseason. So i'm not a huge
2: fan of it no offense jack i love you
0: though <laughs> No, uh, look
2: again just putting things out there into the ether i i think that's i get what you're sort of saying not making the the clippers or, or lakers better but would you prefer did go to dallas for you know on, on, in free agency or would you prefer the nets to get an asset in return and make it a contending team stronger
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really tough decision. Obviously, you always kind of want to worry about yourself. I'm just not sure I'm that interested in Patrick Beverly joining the Nets in general. You know, I would maybe consider another offer of a different player. You know, maybe that's something to look at, but Pat Bev doesn't really do it for me. And I think in terms of what the Clippers are getting and how much better it would make them and what Pat Bev is doing for the Nets and where he'd probably be a bench player and wouldn't necessarily play in every single postseason game, I just, I'm not sure. Maybe if the, the Clippers wanted to throw a pick on there, that's something i would look at
2: yeah it's a, the behavior that patrick beverly does that's too why overshadows when he does play decent basketball decent defense and stuff you know his antics can be you know a, a extra with a capital e and we also did see you know him show some of those antics uh, against jeff green um yep. this season yeah. so he did he, he has left a sour taste in my mouth but it was just I knew that we had the trade show coming up, Nick, and I thought I'd get involved in the fun and, and kick us off with, the, with a little bit of one. But we've got some other ones that haven't necessarily. That we'll stick on the Spencer Dimity route. And this is uh, Billy Reinhardt, who knows the trade machine more than <laughs> anyone else on Nets Twitter. Let's put it that way. This is I a three-point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so we, the Nets receive Mark Basol and Robert Covington. The Trailblazers get Kuz, Shamit, a second-rounder, and a first-rounder. And the Lakers get Spencer Dinwiddie. Nick thoughts,
1: you know, I think this is an interesting one. i'm I'm not sure, you know, how good Marcus will be next year. Like I'm kind of under the impression that he might even take another decline after we saw this season. And Robert Covington is an interesting player. Like I, I'm, Part of me thinks like, oh, he's going to bounce back and have a better year because obviously he wasn't as good as advertised all year in Portland. He did have a couple stretches, but he would give the Nets that other versatile defender. But I think the thing with Covington you look at is he's a better off-ball defender than on-ball defender. So he doesn't really give you that like Kevin Durant relief. Like, sure, he can guard those guys, but he's not necessarily doing an amazing job. So for me, I'm not sure like how much I love this trade. Uh, I mean, obviously, trading away Spencer Dinwiddie and a sign in trade is not the end of the world to get other players, uh, but including Landry Shamid, a second round pick isn't really anything crazy. So I feel like I'm okay with this trade. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's something I would consider. What are you thinking, Jack?
2: Look, I I don't mind it, to be honest, Nick. I'm I'm still somewhat high on Marcus, I'm not really high on Marcus All, but I think that. How he was utilized in Lakeland this year wasn't necessarily to the best of his abilities. For some reason, they played a worse player in Andre Drummond over him. I think Gasol is a, a decent option to have when you are going up against the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. He's been proven to be an M B stopper. Now, can he? Is he stopping him still to the ability that he was two or three seasons ago? Probably not but i, I still think as an option to have he'd be better than DJ and if you've got you know Marcus and clacks on the same team uh, and maybe you add some other you know vet minimum dude and got, you got you keep Blake around. I like that center rotation so um, and on the Robert Cummington route, you know we probably spoke about him 40 million times in last year's trade and free agency proposals. Yep in terms of what he could provide the Nets. And look, I'm not going to say that he is, you know, a, a seamless, because like you alluded to, doesn't necessarily give you rim protection in a way that, you know, a Clax or a Jared Allen or those, or Miles Turner sort of does, but he does give you defensive prowess. And yep. the Nets, while they were pretty solid, and if not above average uh, in the postseason in their defense, adding a good defender, a guy who's a three-point shot, and also is on a, a very, very friendly contract at the same time. I think just adding anything to your rotation because the Nets looked somewhat shallow going forward. Yep. And I think that that's something where you are a, a superstar-heavy team. You, know, you, you look at the Miami Heat, you look at the Golden State Warriors, you look at the Brooklyn Nets. You, know, you need to have guys out there that you can sort of somewhat rely on. And, and Robert Cummington, I think that, look, there could be games and, and and maybe matchups where he might get played off the floor because uh, maybe it is against the Lakers or maybe it is against the Sixers I, I don't know but I'm still pretty really confident in him in being able to produce uh in you know key matchups uh in come the postseason so I actually don't mind this and I know that some people have been talking about I talked about it a little bit um on at the Pacific post-up pod on the tropical trade segment which I really really enjoyed yesterday um that the other sign-in trade that probably would just be a, a straight one-for-one one is Kyle Kuzma for Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, if that were the case, Nick, which would you prefer?
1: Jack, I just want to talk about this trade a little bit more because you, sure. you convinced me a little bit more on it because I think Covington's body type is something the Nets really lacked in that series, just having enough forward. So that'd be something to consider. And I think you could probably you know hope his three-point shooting would improve on the Nets. I'm not sure if the Blazers would do this trade, though, unless they're like trying to get off of Covington or really like Kuzma or really like Shamit because they just traded two first him. so I feel like they'd they'd want to sit on the contract a little bit more and see what they're doing this
2: this trade, about Lillard at the end of the I day say, I, yeah
1: if they trade Lillard then yeah this trade makes a lot more sense for them so obviously in the Lakers getting Spencer Dinwiddie they're going to do this trade because that'd be a huge boost for them so like I, I don't think this would be my first option for the Nets but definitely something to consider and like you said the whole Marcus old thing is what I'm not sure if he can have an impact he's going to be 37 years old but he could you know be rejuvenated with the nets in a different role like you mentioned all that offensive firepower gives the nets another good screener which i think is important somebody who can run some of those sets that blake griffin does and covington i think could have a bounce back year. so you know maybe i'm more towards the liking it but not loving it
2: yeah i I mean in terms of the the sign and trade proposals this is probably the best that you can get unless You know Reggie Jackson decides that he yeah. wants to come to Clipperland or something, and we get you know the the version of Reggie Jackson we saw in these playoffs or whatever. But uh, in terms of the proposal, and, and and just one more thing about Marcus Sol as well, I think that he is he he obviously can be a bit of a reluctant scorer slash shooter, but he yep. still has that propensity, and he also is a very willing passer. Yep. So when the offense very does good get him. When the offense does get a little bit sticky, you know, dribble handoffs, you know, high post action, you know, but you know, low post action. I think that he is just an incredibly smart basketballer, and I think would fit seamlessly in in Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash's offense, as well as I think defensively as well. I think his leadership there, his veteran presence. You know, if the Nets were to somehow lose Jeff Green, you, you've got another vet there. I think that that's what you want to sort of solidify uh, the nature uh, of, of that locker room, having some good, you know, intelligent dudes around the way who have, you know, won championships and, and had success. So, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. Maybe I'm a, I'm a little bit... Maybe I am drinking a little bit too much of the Kool-Aid, but, you know, it's, it's only water in this bottle right now. At least, <laughs> so maybe I'll have to spruik it up a little bit as we go through this pod. But the Kuzma side of it, Nick, it's probably one that... Gets touted a little bit. We did here. And again, the uh, Nick Boylan and, and Lewis talked about uh, this on Tropical Trades, uh, as well as the Pacific Post Up pod with my yours truly uh, guesting on it, uh, about Kyle Kuzma not being long for LA. LeBron isn't a big fan. Could Kuz make his way back to where he belongs uh, in Brooklyn? Because of that, we all know the, the history of Kyle Kuzma and Brooklyn Nets.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think, like, looking at it, uh, just like a, a casual fan would be like, oh, Kuzma sucks. But, I mean, Kuzma <laughs> can provide some things for the Nets. Obviously, another body type that gives you that true forward. Obviously, can score the basketball, has improved defensively. His real issue is just, like, those knucklehead plays. Like, you're just guaranteed to see a couple from him. And, obviously, every player has that. So, I think if you're trading for Kuzma, you don't want to necessarily depend on him to be – like one of your closing five or somebody you're going to play, you know, 40 minutes like he could play in the postseason, but he's not going to play a big chunk of minutes. He could also probably get a little bit better also being around some of the greatest scorers in the NBA. So I think I would be open to the idea. Like I I don't like I don't love Kyle Kuzma because I think there's some things about his games. There's a reason that LeBron probably doesn't want to play with him. Like if he is traded, that tells you something. And Spencer Dinwiddie would drastically help that team as well.
2: Uh, I said this uh, on on the pod with the, the Aussie lads that I think that just LeBron doesn't like young dudes <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of the time. You know, his yeah. history, the history of his career shows that unless you're Kyrie Irving, one of the best scorers and point guards we've ever seen. But uh, in terms of, I, you sort of talked a little bit about, you know, playing alongside, you know, three of the best offensive superstars in the game. I also do think that, just looking at the Kevin Durant side of things, Kevin Durant loves bucket getters, you know, yep. he, we, we saw his all-star uh, roster, straight buckets. Carl Kuzma can do that a little bit, and yep. I think that under, not necessarily the tutelage or mentorship, you know, because I think he's got some offensive skills, I think he, he'd get a little bit more freedom in Brooklyn, and I yep. think that Talk and and KD and, and Kai have talked about, you know you know, if you replace, you know, Kyle Kuzman with Mike James in in, in bucket-getting abilities, you know, it's obviously a massive upgrade. And, you know, they were happy for for him to get his own uh, on a couple of occasions. So I think that he would probably improve as an offensive player. And the defensive improvement that we've seen from him has been pretty important. Now, again, Carl Kuzman isn't a, a dude I'm in love with, you know, not necessarily the biggest fan of his sort of, like, you know, Tyler Hero-esque sort of mm-hmm. fame, whore BS that he sort of loves, but um, but I also do think that Brooklyn is a market that probably would uh, suit him well. You know, he's in these under the spotlights. Barclays, you've seen all the celebrities on the sideline. Jay Z's there, Beyonce's there, all the baseball players from the Mets and Yankees. So I think that it makes some sense. But you were alluded to before, Nick, in terms of you know the making you know a contender better. We sort of talked a little bit about the Clippers with Pat Bev. And now we're talking about Kuzma with the Lakers. If you had the choice, which one would you go for out of these two? And which who needs, I guess, Spencer Dinwiddie more uh, or less? I'd rather have Kyle
1: Kuzma over Pat Bev, but I'd rather the Clippers get Spencer Dinwiddie than the Lakers. I just feel like giving LeBron another weapon just kind of alleviates some of his load. Um, and it would just be really, really good for them. And I think like getting back to Kuzma, shot 36% from three this year on over five attempts which is pretty nice obviously career 33 percent three-point shooter but he could definitely improve in that area in Brooklyn system like you said that offensive flow and you alluded to the Mike James thing like if they had him in the postseason this year That would have actually been somewhat important, like you said, another bucket getter, somebody who can create themselves. Not to say that he's an elite player, but he's not a bad player, and he's also an okay rebounder. You know, averages about five and a half rebounds for his career, which isn't bad, which isn't amazing, but he's also has some decent size and length. You know what I mean? He is six ten, weighs two twenty. So, I don't, I wouldn't hate Kuzma. So, I maybe I like that trade a little bit more than I thought. It's just the scary part about is giving the Lakers Spencer Dinwiddie playing at home, playing with two elite players. I mean, an a d. Spencer doing what he pick and roll is pretty dynamic. so it, I that's like a little you know nervous on that end, but also at the end of the day, like as a GM, you typically just have to worry about yourself,
2: yeah. and there's no you know LeBron's thirty seven, a d has his injury issues, all these different things here yep. and there. I think Spencer would personally fit better in Lakerland. Uh, yep. I just think that he, he, you can tell that he loves playing against the Lakers. We've seen that before mm-hmm. uh, in his history as a, as a Brooklyn met. Um, I'd also think that there could be a level of frustration from LeBron from him because he can be either an over overly happy three-point shooter or an overly reluctant three-point shooter. There doesn't seem to be a happy medium with Spencer in his three-point shooting. In the past couple of seasons, at least he hasn't necessarily found that perfect medium. And i don't think he is an amazing three-point shooter in in saying that either and you know we know what suits lebron the most is you know generally just decent three-point shooting and you know i I think spencer did when he would would kill it off you know um you know secondary actions and running second units and such and you get you're essentially getting a a better version of dennis schruder like Get your $200 million elsewhere, my dude. You can get that in, I don't know, Barcelona if you want, or the (laughs) JG Dragons, um, you know, when you're not wearing your Kyrie Irving shoes anymore. But yeah, in in saying that, I think that Spencer, we know, we've talked about it before, he wants to go home, which is uh, Los Angeles, where he wants to get the bag. The final one, I've got from at at underscore Fred 83, Fred 83, uh, his sign and trade, Nick, is to Dallas for Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, DFS is on a a pretty small contract. I'm not totally sure of the the salary cap ramifications for both sides of this. That's where I go to you.
1: Yeah, looking at Dallas, uh, it looks like they're going to have some cap space so they could take the extra money in a sign and trade. So that would work. Um, I'm not sure if they'd want to trade Dorian Finney-Smith. And also, I'm not sure if they have the necessity to do a sign and trade if they do have cap space you know obviously it depends on how they manage some of their other contracts or maybe there's another signing they want to do or something along those lines so it could get a little bit more complicated but i just don't feel like trading dory finney smith he's a pretty big part of their team one of the guys who really hasn't underperformed and he's kind of had a good fit there, He's played some good defense improved as a three-point shooter you know obviously he can be a little inconsistent at times so i'm just not sure if dallas would be super interested
2: I understand where you're coming from, but I'll go from the other side of things and sort of go, what's going wrong in Dallas right now? A, yeah. a lot. And you could maybe capula- capitalize on the inexperience of their new head of basketball operations gym, whatever the hell you want to call him, and Nico Harrison. You know, maybe he's throwing a few Nikes into, into the deal and maybe he gets happy about that. And obviously, it's Mark Hughes making the decision at the end of the day. Yeah. And if you, you know, I think sure, Mark's, if he wants to stroke his ego a little bit, maybe he goes on Shark Tank for a guest <laughs> appearance or, or whatever. I, I just think that they're, they're I'm, a, I'm, war, I, I, I like this, obviously, just doing yeah, things. I love it's
1: this. It's a good trade. It's,
2: a, it's essentially, you know, you look at Robert Covington on, a, on a, a better value deal, gives the Nets more wiggle room in terms of who else they can add to their roster as well. Works uh, absolutely amazingly. And Spencer Dinwiddie on the Dallas Mavericks, for me, is probably the best basketball fit out there. I I just think that you look at what Jalen... You you have him and Jalen Brunson. You've got some good backup guards. And I think Dinwiddie is just a more reliable upgraded version of what Jalen Brunson currently is uh, and him sort of running along secondary actions and just being a secondary playmaker alongside Luca, running the second unit so Luca can get a little bit of rest here and there. Uh, Pick and roll with Kristaps Porzingis, pick and pop with Kristaps Porzingis, I think it'd be pretty nice as well. Dinwiddie uh, is a great passer, a great lob passer as well. So I think Dallas would be an ideal situation uh, for Dinwiddie. I think he could get some decent cash there too. So look, I think the Nets might might be able to get a little bit sneaky. We've seen Sean Marks you know, make a few steals in his day. We saw it with Bruce Brown in Detroit and we've seen it in, in, in many other occasions as well. So I wouldn't rule it out, Nick. I wouldn't rule it out.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. I think it would be more likely if Dallas needed to make the trade. Like, you know what I mean? If they didn't have the cap space, it would kind of force their hand to do something. But if they do have the cap space, I'm not sure, you know, there's any point in them making a trade unless, like I said, they have something else lined up there.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, we'll get to now some of the ones where everyone was jumping up on my mentions and thank you to everyone who we have was-
1: one, do we have one more uh sign and trade uh thad young right
2: oh yes, yeah, thad young my bad my bad my bad I'm, I'm, th- there are so many trades here guys so i am sorry if i am uh, losing myself a little bit in the- we
1: appreciate all the trades
2: <laughs> yeah uh, the trade source is absolutely crazy now i'm not sure this is via at swamp dragon stan uh joe on twitter he screenshotted this. Uh, it might have been from the Athletic. It might have been somewhere else. It might have been ESPN. But it's a three-way sign and trade sort of action happening here. The Bulls get Spencer Dinwiddie. He heads back to his former team. The Brooklyn Nets get Thad Young and a 2026 uh, OKC second rounder that's protected 31 to 55. So essentially, it's nothing. Fake, yeah. uh, and OKC get DJ uh, at DeAndre Jordan and a 2021 Brooklyn First, which is our number 27 pick. Nick, this one is music to my ears.
1: Yeah, I mean, you love the idea of getting Thaddeus Young. I think he'd be a great fit on this team. Can provide that grit. You know, three-point shooting has been a little bit inconsistent, but gives you a little bit of an inside score, something the Nets don't really have. Somebody who's willing to kind of bang a little bit too. So I love that aspect. And obviously, you know, it's a fake second-round pick, so nothing else there. You do get off DeAndre Jordan by giving up the 2021 Brooklyn first. I'd also look at this trade without including DeAndre Jordan the first. Like, just doing this trade straight up. If Joe Sy doesn't care about money then it doesn't there's no point in getting okc involved if you you know you're trying to save on the tax bill you include DeAndre jordan
2: I, I think it's almost like nba rules now that you have to give a first round to okc in every <laughs> single trade for until now until the end of time until sam presley at least retires from from okc but yeah thad young nick we, we spoke about i think around the trade deadline last year about you know his potential as a, a returning brooklyn net would just be perfection he, he literally gives you everything you need. Small ball, five abilities. Uh, creates his own shot a little bit. You know, he's good yeah. around that sort of mid-range, nice little sort of floater game. Uh, you know, he's hit the three ball a little bit more uh, and later on into his career. you know playing alongside, you know, you're getting an upgraded Jeff Green, sort of like a, a middling version of, you know he just does so much for this book Nets team in terms of playing that uh, for that five position as well as just just secondary actions. Really, really incredibly smart. Knows his role. Uh, Zach Levine loves him, so that's why to me I don't I see it unlikely happening. If if the if the Bulls you know aim is to sign Zach Levine long term, you keep the guys that Zach Levine loves uh, alongside him. I know that I've heard that many a times from the Chicago Bulls. About how much of a, a fan Zach Levine is of 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 sorry uh, Thaddeus Young, but then again at the same time I heard that with Carl Anthony Towns uh, and Robert Cummington, uh, yeah. and Robert Cummington was obviously shipped out as well. So you know the the new front office there is still in its infancy. So we could see something happen, um, and and obviously there there have been changes being made. You know does Dad Young fit alongside Nikola Vucevic? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not 100% yep. sure. Time uh, will tell that. But and then worried about what
1: you're going to do with marketing because he's a restricted free agent as well.
2: A lot of a lot of moving pieces there in Chicago, and and maybe Sean Marks will capitalize on that.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's something to look at too. I think also you look at it if you're Chicago, you know, who's going to impact winning more, Spencer Dumonty or Thaddeus Young? And I think getting a true, you know, starting NBA point guard, Spencer could fill that role and that might be the difference for them. And obviously he can play at a fringe all star level. So that's where I think the intrigue is for Chicago. We already talked about that young. He'd be a great fit. Maybe you need to, you know, spice it up a little and add a second round pick for Chicago. You know, that might get it done too. So, I mean, some, it's on the table. I would look at this as a possibility, like because I just think you know Chicago's front office probably wants to make a move. They have some pressure now, given they trade all those first for Vucevic.
2: Yeah, they've, they've been they're semi all in. You know, yeah, they've only got a few chips left, so to so to speak. And I think that they would have to move maybe a Saturansky or, or a Kobe White. Maybe they don't see the, either of those guys as part of their future. And you know, I'm a I'm a big Sato fan ever since. <laughs> My guy, Nick Bucig, has been all in on the Sato train uh, in Washington. So you know, the, I think Sadoransky could be, maybe the Nets could get him as well as a, as a backup guard to sort of fit into to their plans as well. But
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act... That sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: The final sign-and-trade, Nick, you sort of told me the the, the salary cap ramifications of it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out to you because uh, Jake at Jake robert 32 has been on our our fan show was, was warm to the idea of DeMar DeRozan heading uh, to Brooklyn. And he said this, uh, sign and trade for DeMar DeRozan, buying can make enough room to keep the guys they want under the hard cap. DeRozan gives the Nets a third elite mid-range scorer and a f- fourth elite ISO scorer. His footwork is Kobe, S, yes, similar to Kyrie. He grew up alongside James Harden, was drafted the same year as him and Blake, played on Team USA with members of the big three, could look to acquire him so the Nets can have unprecedented firepower fits in with the fraternity and culture being built offensively, and DeRozan pushes the needle even further. Nick, is there any way this can happen? Because, dear Lord, that would be a fun, fun team if we could get DD.
1: Yeah, honestly, I I, I don't think it's possible. The Nets would have to jump through hoops and get under the hard cap, and I don't think th- – would what they'd have to do is get off a lot of salary, that salary being DeAndre Jordan and Joe Harris. So I think I'd rather have Joe Harris and his team and DeMar DeRozan probably. I think DeMar's best days of basketball
2: that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of people I would... I think
1: DeMar DeRozan's three-point shooting is really bad. And, like, you want spacing. Even when Joe Harris is missing, he's still probably getting more respect at the three-point line than DeMar DeRozan.
2: Yeah, but two is better than none. Look, I, again, I, 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 I'm I, neither here nor there. I'm, I'm, I understand Joe, and I know yep. that... We talked about the slander before. You know, he's not as bad as what he showed in the, in the postseason. And he's probably not as good as being the, the best three-point shooter. He's not Stephen Curry and he's not Clay Thompson. He's somewhere, you know, in the middle. Elite enough. But I think just, we spoke about Kevin Durant before, you know, Bucket getting and such. Uh, I think Demata Rosen is almost the the perfect player outside of his three-point shooting offensively. Uh, and, you know, he, he played like small ball four for... Yeah. Uh, but for the uh, San Antonio Spurs as well. So I think that the development of his game, I honestly think that he'll get you know some sort of payday elsewhere, but I'm super intrigued by the fit just because of his ability to create his own shot. And I think that that is the most important skill in the NBA, bar none. We've seen that in the postseason, that if you can't get a bucket, unless you've got four other guys that can, you know, not many teams are going to have the capabilities to play P.J. Tucker, Torrey Craig and such uh, out there on the floor. You have to be elite defensively if that is the case. And DeMar, I, I think he's improved defensively as well. Uh, he's passing under Greg Popovich, and the tutelage of San Antonio has uh, been immense as well. His playmaking has been great. You know, you could play him, you know, as a sort of six-man sort of role uh, as well. So, look, I- I'm-, I'm a fan of this, but uh, the likelihood of it, as you alluded to, Nick, uh, I-, I see as being pretty low.
1: Yeah, it's probably under 1% here unless it's more likely DeMar DeRozan signs a vet minimum contract with the Nets or like some crazy thing like that. I think, you know, in like, it, it makes sense to a degree, but I still think also like he wouldn't get the same amount of volume. He's always kind of had that type of volume, which has kind of made his efficiency a little bit better. And then you have DeMar DeRozan taking fadeaway mid-range jumpers when Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie on your team. I just can't say like, I truly love his game next to those guys. And I think defensively, he he's solid, but he's still not going to be a guy that like locks anybody up. So I'm honestly not huge on DeMar on
2: the Nets in general. DeMar, Nick says DeNo. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that wasn't my best pun that I've made on this podcast. Let's put it that way. All right. Now a
1: we... joke right there, Jack, <laughs> something you want to tell me, <laughs> yeah,
2: of uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of the, the dunker spot with Steve Jones and Nikias Duncan. So maybe I'm just trying to do my own Steve Jones impression. Now we can get to some of my mentions and some of the proposals we got max Bray at brain max 17. He says this Our pick this year, the agreement is before, but officially goes through after Dinwiddie or Joe plus, Plus DJ and potentially clax. So you've got Dinwiddie, Joe, DJ, maybe clax for Jeremy Grant. That might have to be a three-way trade, but I just give outside the big three to get Grant regular season. Can be good on big three rest days. Playoffs can guard wings, relieve Durant of that pressure. And that's proven to make threes in the playoffs. Kevin Durant loves him as well, Nick. You know, he was caught. He was the I think he's the reason why Jeremy Grant is on team USA. Yeah, I mean,
1: Jeremy Grant would be a great fit on the Nets. I don't really see Detroit moving him for this deal, moving him in general. I think he also wants to be in Detroit. So uh, the Nets don't really care about money. His contract still maybe be a slight overpay, but I think he kind of earned it last year. He stepped his game up, and he'd obviously be an ideal role player. He'd be like a, a star role player in that role. So yeah, it would be amazing. I'm just not sure Detroit is really interested in moving him, especially for that package. And also, I don't think Dinwiddie would have any interest in going back to Detroit.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's the, the biggest fan of that organization. So, yep. But yeah, look, Joe Harris's money almost aligns with it. So if you maybe do Joe and DJ a first, maybe a future first all Clats or whatever, I just think that Jeremy, out of like we talked about Covington, we talked about Kuzma, we talked about Grant. Out of those three, Nick, is Jeremy Grant the, the most ideal fit for the Brooklyn Nets?
1: Yeah, I'd probably say he's probably two tiers higher than those guys you know what i mean you mentioned you know creating your own shot he showcased that he can do that this year and he's also I've, has some good size you know he can literally play small ball five and he would give you another option give you a little bit more toughness and kind of prove it a little bit more and he's had some big games in the postseason for denver you know a year and a half ago so i think you know jeremy grant would be ideal i just like i said i'd have a hard time seeing detroit moving him the nets would probably have to do a slight overpay and that's where you kind of maybe get yourself in trouble and also you just don't have really any picks at this point
2: yeah, I mean, the, the Kevin Durant seal of approval is always something that, you know, you look behind the scenes, you know, who runs the front office now. It, a lot of it is the superstar players in alignment with Sean Marks and, and LeBron James with Rob Palenka and such. So I think that sneakily this might happen. Uh, sneakily it might not because maybe uh, Troy Weaver isn't necessarily going, oh man, I want to get swindled by Sean Marks again. You know, he already took Bruce and turned him into this weird small ball five thing. That made me look silly. And, you know, <laughs> the play that we got in return is playing in Europe or Russia somewhere right now. So, look, there's a history there. And I think that you look to teams that you have a history of trading with. You know, yep. it's the, the Pacers, it's the Pistons, it's you know, somewhat the Sixers occasionally, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime in the future. So, look, crazy things have happened, but this would be a, a pretty great fit for the Brooklyn Nets.
1: Yeah, I also think including DeAndre Jordan would make it almost... Impossible to an extent, like that would, would kind of increase what you need to give them because it's a bad contract and everyone knows it. You know, you're not going to swindle anybody with that because people saw him play last year,
2: yeah. But Troy Reaver loves those centers, Nick. He loves them, so yeah, maybe- DeAndre
1: can only play center, so <laughs> yeah,
2: play DeAndre and Plumley together, and maybe you do some sort of like Denver stuff where you get ball ball at the three i don't know what they would do isaiah shoot might like, you play at the three or something i don't know but in all honesty yeah there's this it's unlikely to happen but i do like the creativity of it i like where, where people's minds are going i
1: think if there's a third team involved maybe you could figure something out to try to spice it up for detroit and give them something that's more enticing to them and also obviously it would hurt the soul to trade nick claxton so that's you know that's something tough to think about <laughs> i'm not yeah. saying i wouldn't do it but it's just it's definitely like like do you want to give up your last young piece that could grow moving forward and kind of be maybe your safety net but at the end of the day you have these superstars you want to go all in so i think you probably do end up moving him in the right trade but you got to make sure it's the right trade because that's your last chip
2: yeah i'd have to get some sort of side hustle and side patreon going on for clack city a clack city patreon because yes. i can't not sing that song anymore nick you know yeah. it's just it's in my dna Ab, so uh, ultimately, it'd be it'd be sad to see Klax go, um, but ultimately, you know, you're all in for a chip. And that's it at yeah. the end of the day. You don't really see a lot of rookies contributing or young dudes contributing on championship winning teams unless they have, you know, pretty high potential, which Klax does have. So we'll see what, what happens next season for him. Nick, we've got a, a couple here from Chandler Harper of the Assistant to the GM podcast at the OTG Network. He's got a couple. We'll go one at a time here. And I didn't I forgot that he had about a million silent trades for Spencer Dinwiddie, so uh, forgive me for going back to, to some of them, but we'll start off with this one. DJ 21 and 28 first rounders for Larry Nance Jr.
1: Yeah, I think he meets 2021 20, and 2028 20, first. Yeah, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Just yeah. in case anyone was confused by that. I mean, shit, sign me up for that. Like, that's one it's one pick to get off DJ and one pick to get Larry Nance. Larry Nance would be close to an ideal fit on this team. You know, I can't think of many more players in terms of realistically trading for that I want on the Nets. Just his contract is great. He provides a lot of defense, drastically improved as a three-point shooter, smart basketball player, willing to be that guy that just makes all those extra plays. And I think he's, you know, capable of closing in a, in a closing five.
2: When we spoke about, we fell in love with him when it was brought up, I don't remember if it was the glue guys or Matt Brooks or whatever, when we were doing a a, them a, When I
1: watched him play amazing against the nets when they're he he was part of the reason their big three didn't pop
2: <laughs> yeah he, he he is just uh, an incredibly versatile defender probably one of the more underrated players in that respect because he's playing in cleveland right now he's also responded to me on twitter nick you know when i put out the jared Ooh. allen tweet about you know take yep. care of cleveland larry nance was like don't worry we got you and i'm like okay well we've got a, a foundation there we, we can get larry nance from the buzz as well going forward <laughs> so i'm an even bigger fan of this beyond the, the basketball fit. But you, like you alluded to, Nick, the basketball fit is is seamless. He would be just provide so much. And I think also, can you imagine some James Harden, Larry Nance pick and rolls? Yep. Oh my God, the lobs will go for days and days and days. And I've already seen Larry Nance dunk on a Brooklyn Nets player before. It'd be nice to see him do it in a Brooklyn Nets uniform.
1: Yeah, no, really, that would be some major pop right there. Also, you know, I think he's a solid passer coming off the short roll in that situation as well. He check a lot of marks for the Nets. And if you lost Jeff Green, this would be a really nice guy to fill in that role.
2: Do you, how li- if you're breaking uh, on a likelihood scale of one to 10, Nick, how likely could this happen? Obviously, this is probably one of our favorite ones that it's been brought up so far.
1: Specifically, this trader, the Nets acquiring Larry Nance.
2: Go, let's just go with Nance because I think we're all, we've got Nance fever.
1: Uh, I guess I'd go with a five. You know, I can't say it's super likely. I can't say it's not going to happen. I think this would be somebody Sean Marks consider targeting. You know, you look at them probably having to give Jared Allen a big contract, but also they could be trading Kevin Love. So then maybe they don't really care. And now that's opening up space. So I feel like you have to entice Cleveland in some way. I think Landry Shamit would be somebody who was included in a trade like this. Maybe you remove one of the first. You, maybe it's a first Landry Shamit and DeAndre Jordan because I think Shamit would check a shooting role for them. You know, again, next to some of those guards, give them a little bit more spacing, which was an issue for them last season. So that'd be something to look at. But also, I know Cleveland loves Larry Nance. I know Cleveland loves Larry. Uh, Larry Nance loves Cleveland, too. His dad played there. So I'm not sure how interested they are in making that trade again. Though he's not necessarily in the timeline of some of the other young guys, so I'd have to put it somewhere like at a five. What about you, Jack? Uh,
2: I think it's somewhat less likely, just because of all the things you alluded to, Nick. It just everything sways in Cleveland's favor, yeah. and the, the the contract that he is on. You know, it's essentially him and Robert Covington on two of the most value deals in the NBA, um, you know, guys that are under $20 million. I think Larry Ness is something like $12 million.
1: Yeah, um, he and- is 11 this year. He's 10.6 next year. Well, technically, this upcoming season, he's 10.6. and the following season, he's 9.6. So uh, that's a
2: major steal that's it. uh that's the biggest still probably going around for a guy that you know can contribute in, in the postseason sort of action you, you just and I think that that's what you know the the superstar heavy teams need you need your bargain basement dudes uh, hanging around there and you know, whether it's Bruce Brown Larry Nance Robert coming to these sort of guys you need at least one of them to contribute and, and it's not just the vet minimum guys it's just the sort of filler dudes there and Joe Harris wasn't that but you know Larry Nance would be <laughs> immense for this team. Nick, we'll go back to uh, Chandler and a couple of other proposals that he had. A uh, Witty and a 2021 first in a sign and trade for Marcus Smart or Malcolm Brogdon. Dear Lord, we were talking about Pat Beverly earlier. Marcus Smart or Ma- Malcolm Brogdon. We've we got to get K Warren to discuss some of these uh, Pacers trades. But what are your thoughts on that? And is there any likelihood that this could or will happen?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure the Nets would have to include a first for a Spencer Dinwiddie-Marcus Smart trade. I mean, that's just my opinion. Maybe some type of seconds or something, but it's not a crazy high first, so maybe it's something that would happen. Um, I'm not sure Boston would do it. I think they want to really keep Marcus Smart, but at the same time, they could really want to move on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was going to say, at the same time, they could really want to move on from him. I feel like it's a love-hate type relationship. He would be a great fit on the Nets because he'd give them some of that grittiness. Um, I think his role would be a little bit better because he'd have less offensive responsibility and hopefully he would accept that role and kind of play his game instead of kind of taking over in moments when he's not supposed to which kind of happened in Boston a decent amount so it's kind of like a love-hate thing with Smart but he also gives you a versatile defender you know I don't think he's the same defender he once was but definitely gives you the versatility the grit and somebody who is just like an annoyance you know what I mean he's just gonna like create that extra dynamic for your defense
2: yeah and I think that's you know he's he's he, him and Kyrie Irving you know the, the yep. love that he'd shown for him you know and when the narrative was swaying way too crazily to Kyrie Irving's a cancer all this BS we saw Marcus smart on a national platform on the jump sort of come out and sort of say and he was cut off a little bit from the from from speaking even more glowingly about him so I, I think that it would be a pretty decent fit. I'd I'd have to probably go back through the timeline and and delete a couple of tweets here and there. But <laughs> basketball-wise, I prefer this to Pat Beverly. Um, I, I think Mark's not, Yep. He yeah. He's a he's a better player. Uh, I think a better culture fit as well. I think that you know he is a, he's a ride or die dude, and you know I think that the Nets you know you get a bit of toughness there uh, as well in him. But Nick, what about Malcolm Brogdon, um, Malcolm Brogdon is a All Star caliber player. I'm sure the Milwaukee Bucks are missing him more than anyone else right now. Malcolm Brogdon would be, just be a, a super steady fit for the Brooklyn Nets, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be a great replacement for Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, I think they're around the same level of player. I think their games are a little bit different, obviously. I think Brogdon probably is more comfortable playing the complementary role that we saw him play in Milwaukee. I think in Indiana at times, he's had had too much. Probably led to a little bit of injury, a little bit of fatigue. So on the Nets, it'd be great. I mean, I could see it happen. You know what I mean? I think... Uh, obviously the Pacers would have to sign Dinwiddie to a pretty large contract for it to match for the Nets because Brogdon is making 20.7 and 21.7 this upcoming season so that's something that makes it a little bit more difficult maybe the Nets send another player out instead of sending um, just Dinwiddie so that could be something to consider as well but I think Brogdon in terms of a fit would be really nice too.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you you could replace maybe Joe Harris in a 2021 first or or something, maybe sort of even Landry that.
1: Shamit and send the Pacers back their own second from this year would be something. I think Shamit could give them you know some more spacing on the floor as well. And obviously, you link up Dinwiddie and Lavert, got that you know classic duo right there.
2: Yeah, I think we'd have to get some some pinstripe Pacers jerseys in, in some <laughs> respect, probably, because those are fire. And if you've got uh, two of our favorite dudes on the podcast, uh, and if Spencer, you know, the op- the invitation is still open, my guy, even if you're not a Brooklyn Neck going forward, you know, bring the tequila, my guy. I've I've yeah. had it ready for, for ages, man. It's starting to go a bit moldy in the, in the cupboard right now, but we'll move on to another... Well, Jack, I have a
1: question for you. Obviously, we're going to probably do a Pacers-Nets um, crossover with Corey at some point, but... Do you think it's more likely the Nets are to do a sign and trade with Spencer Dinwiddie for Miles Turner?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about that uh, a little bit the Joe Harris Miles Turner trade. Uh I think that the more I the, the more I look into it the more I'm like, man, Miles Turner is like elite at some things and then horrible at others. It's just like you're essentially replacing, you know, his field goal percentage for a center is not good. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's just a, not a good finisher. And maybe in a different situation and w- with different a uh, different shot profile, maybe it does improve. But you know, centers are supposed to be getting fifty five percent. I think he's like under fifty percent from the field this season. He does you know, take a he,
1: good chunk of threes. I would say probably major like almost half of his shot probably died at his threes if I had a guess.
2: And and look, maybe that does change in Brooklyn. But I think we would want that to to be a similar sort of respect uh, as a Brooklyn net. But I would be open to it, Nick. I think that Miles Turner, we've spoken about many a times, will probably continue to speak about, you know, what Miles Turner could provide the Brooklyn Nets in terms of his room protection. In terms of, he's also uh, not a good rebounder. Like yep. just, he he makes. Like, Claxton's a better rebounder than him'm I'm, I'm, I think that clax has, has improved out of sight and maybe miles Turner in our situation where you're forcing him to be like okay we need you to rebound rebound shoot threes and you, you sort of solidify his offensive uh, capabilities you know we want you to get some offensive boards here and there use your athleticism there, there's just uh, for a he's a, a non-traditional center let's put it that way yeah well yes he he provides the rim protection um, and and he's a really good sort of you know drop defender as well. But he he provides a non-traditional skill set for a big guy.
1: Yeah, I mean he's definitely a love-hate player. You know what I mean? I think he's a guy that Nets fans would get frustrated with for that reason. Like look like he averaged three point block three point four blocks a season, which is incredibly difficult to do. And he also played good defense. He's not really a block chaser. So like the fact that he can do that but still not be an offensive threat inside just is really confusing. Usually people with that type of you know ability can kind of unlock a little bit more offensively, especially based off of what we've seen from him You know, early in his career. It felt like he was going to be an all-star. It felt like he was going to be a guy that takes major strides. And he just kind of maybe lacks some of that it factor. But like you said, maybe a different role in the Nets could open things up more. I think I'd probably be more open to the idea of a Spencer Dinwiddie sign and trade than the Joe Harris one. I think it's like tough with the Joe Harris, Miles Turner thing, because I think talking to Corey and knowing like how Pacers Twitter is with Turner, it feels like he could be a guy that really pisses you off at different points. But then also you really love at different points, which kind of was Joe Harris's case during the postseason.
2: The Nets fans need a whipping boy, you know, they can't <laughs> love everyone. So, you know, at, at some point in time, you've replaced joe harris with miles turner and then you got a new dude to hate on yeah. you know toy prince is no longer there quincy ac sort of previous former hated N- next players hate to love Nets players but yeah I, I, look I, I think that it's something that will be explored it's probably something that is being talked about and like i alluded to earlier in terms of the history of teams with with trading with each other you know we talk about um Thaddeus Young, you talk about Karis Devert, you talk about all these different things yep. here and there. There is seems to be a solid enough relationship between the front offices. And I think that increases the likelihood uh, of a trade happening, whether it's Dinwiddie, whether it's Joe, whether it's Miles Turner, whether it's Malcolm Brogdon, whether it's uh, whoever else it might be on that roster. You know, I, I think that there, there could be some some action happening between the paces and the Nets come this offseason.
1: Yeah, I agree, Jack. And that kind of leads to our next trade, Jack, that uh, with Chandler and kind of why I don't think it would happen is because of that reason. You know, the Rockets have no interest in trying to help the Nets. It'd be DeAndre Jordan, the 21st, 2021 first for Daniel House and Avery Bradley. Like the Rockets don't want to see the Nets have success because they have the pick swaps moving forward. So it's unlikely that they're really going to try to help them unless they're getting some crazy deal. And I don't think this is a bad deal for either team, but it's not a crazy deal either.
2: Yeah, it depends on if the if Raphael Stone values, you know, the assets of the the first rounder because that's essentially what is the the crux of this deal. because you know, yep. DJ is a is almost a negative. How asset, many Nets you know?
1: first round picks can you have?
2: <laughs> yeah, look, look uh, At the end of the day, you know, who needs first rounders when you've got championship aspirations? At the end of the day, so uh, I think Daniel House is probably. Would I think that House and Bradley are inconsistent role players? Obviously, yep. House is a little bit more reliable. We saw what happened to him in the bubble. You know the the controversy of you know just the outside off the court antics. But you know you know going back to uh, his former team teammate James Harden, former coach of Mike D'Antoni, maybe that you know revitalizes him somewhat. And Avery Bradley, you know, do we get the the version of Avery Bradley that was pretty solid for the Los Angeles Lakers? Um, and, and or do we get the version that was you know unseen in Miami? So yep. I think he'd be a decent enough fit. And if you you know you want some guys to throw on Stephen Curry and you know just some of the the backcourt players that are around there, you know Avery Bradley is a, a, a pretty solid option to have, but. I think Bruce Brown's probably an even better option to have, there, to be honest. But you're just adding to the rotation, adding to that depth that the Nets probably do need, and adding some guys out there that's just like, you know what? Let's give everybody a go. What can he prove to us in, in this postseason? What can he prove to us in this matchup? So I I like the other proposals better, but I'm I'm not closed-minded to it.
1: Yeah, I don't think you hate this one. It's just kind of like you said, adding role players. You're not. I don't think either of these guys are starters or probably not even consistently closing. Just because, like you said, there's inconsistencies in their game. Bradley's good sometimes. His offense is kind of hit or miss. Can't provide you that defense. Daniel House's game is kind of all over the place. So, you know, I think it's something you consider. But also, do you want to pull the trigger on something like this? I think the Nets would be better off trying to trade their 2021 first for a 2022 first or a future first so they could use it in a trade during the summer.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, can. Then they just- have more options. Yeah, I'm sure we'll spend plenty of time looking at the draft and, and I guess what that first round uh, entails for the Brooklyn Nets and their offseason, plenty of times. But Nick, I think we'll get to one more from Chandler and we might have to put a wrap on it because we've got so many more to get to and I'm not sure if like we want to be Bill Simmons about this and do a two-hour podcast. I'd rather split it up and give some more trade action, trade episodes uh, for the listeners at home. So this final one gets uh, the Brooklyn Nets, my Aussie brethren, Ben Simmons. Now it's Joe Harris. Did you winning a sign-and-trade, you get Landry Shamet returning back to his former home a 2021 and a 2028 first-rounder for Big Bad Benny Boy. What do you think, Nick?
1: I mean, ideally, the Nets would love to do this trade. I just think the Sixers would hang up the phone. I mean, there's really no reason for them to look at this. I think they're going to get some type of really good young piece from a team if they do trade Ben Simmons, and I don't think this deal does enough. If the Nets maybe had two more first-round picks to include, you, or maybe even just one more first round pick. I think like a lot of people are undervaluing Ben Simmons right now. He's still a very good player. It's just the role in Philadelphia is not getting the most out of him, obviously he has his free throw issues too. But I think that's something that you, you think is, is uh, capable of being corrected. So, I mean, if the Sixers got desperate, maybe they look at this, but I, I think they hang up the phone. I think Ben Simmons would probably fit br- better in Brooklyn than almost any other spot in the league, just given what would be asked of him.
2: Yeah, we've got another Ben Simmons trade that we'll discuss in the next episode. But what if you throw, What if I throw in a, a Nicholas Claxton for you, Nick? How does Clack City sound if you're Daryl Morey?
1: Yeah, I think it's something you look at. But if you're Daryl Morey and you make this trade, in your head, how do you not think that you're making the Nets an even better super team? You know what I mean? How do you think that, like, you? this is a position where we we're talking about the trading doing the Lakers and Clippers. Well, this is like times 10 of that because Ben Simmons would make the Nets kind of I don't want to say unstoppable, but because everything has to play out and you have to get on the court and play those games, but checks the mark for being an elite defender. There's not probably a better on ball defender in the NBA when it, especially when it comes to versatility, obviously a good rebounder as well, gives them somebody who can attack and transition. And also I think if you Ben Simmons was on the nets, he'd be a big and he'd run pick and roll with James Harden. He'd be catching lobs. He'd be working that short roll. And I think also there wouldn't be as much pressure on him. So if he did have some of these issues where he didn't feel like scoring, it wouldn't really matter. I think Ben Simmons would, like I said, be probably the best fit on the Nets. It's just kind of impossible to see this trade happen before Daryl Morey reasons and also the Nets not having enough assets.
2: Yeah, I mean, for all the Aussies out there that have seen the four and twenty ad, Ben Simmons is now shooting threes. So uh, we, we saw we saw that commercial. Check it out on on YouTube if you're you're not sure. But it, and, and look, Ben Simmons' new house in LA. You know, I don't know what's happen, happened happening there. It does have a basketball rink, which I think a lot of fans are uh, probably dived on. And he's not going to goddamn the Olympics, and instead we've got. Matisse Stiebel, so maybe we could show it for Matisse Stiebel, because uh, he is a an, an Aussie, despite the fact he only spent eight years of his life there, but yeah, I think you've highlighted it pretty perfectly, Nick, in terms of the fit of Ben Simmons on the Brooklyn Nets, and the the lack of pressure, which I, I think is somewhat of a thing for him, um, and the reason why he is not going to the 2021 Olympics to play alongside Paddy, Joe, Delevedova, Matisse Stiebel, and so many other great players uh, for my country, which is frustrating to say the least. Um, it would probably make me desire this trade even more. But there's a part of me that just has this irrational hatred for, for Ben Simmons and the, the sort of fake aussiness that I think he has. And <laughs> he has this uh, American dude that wants to date the Jenners and the Kardashians and stuff. But as a basketball fit, like you alluded to, Nick, you know his defensive prowess. Uh, he's an incredible passer. The open looks that he would get, you know, the to the likes of our big three would be tremendous, as well as the role players. Um, you know, I think that I can't remember if it was in the regular season or the postseason or whatever, or both combined, but there is no better player in terms of the amount of open looks he gets you from uh, driving and kicking out than Ben Simmons. Uh, he also I mean, has, get
1: a bad defender on him if he was on the Nets. Like he yep. would not get somebody good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and look, I think that if you're looking for to grow as an offensive player, uh, learning from Mike D'Antoni, learning from Steve Nash, learning from Kevin Durant, Amari Sotomayor, all these sort of dudes uh, behind the scenes... If, if Ben Simmons is going to get uh, offensively better anywhere, it's probably going to be Brooklyn. Um, yep. and, in, and I think that you know, he said that he loves Philly. I, I think that that's a, a little bit of window glossing. I don't think he necessarily totally means that. Um, but, you know, I would like also the opportunity to hate Ben Simmons on my own team as well. So maybe uh, for the the, 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 love, the shot and frotter of it all, the sour grapes of it all, I would also like Ben Simmons to come because then if he's bad, I can hate even more
1: yeah i also think he provides the nets with an asshole like somebody who's a real just like jerk on the court and like willing to like talk shit and kind of gives you a little bit of feistiness that i don't think is bad and also like this might be just like a hot take but i think if the nets were able to acquire ben sim it extends their championship window because he can develop into you know a superstar level player possibly i'm not saying that's a guarantee i, I just wouldn't rule it out and now you have you know older versions of your your big three getting carried a little bit more by this guy. But again, this is all hypothetical as hell because the Nets are not going to acquire Ben Simmons. If they do, I'll be happily eat my words, but extremely unlikely.
2: Yeah. I mean, there were people saying that like, you know, he's a, a semi poor man's Giannis, you know, he has MVP caliber potential. There were people um, saying that, you know, they would rather put Joel Bead rather than Ben Simmons in trades uh, following last year's postseason. So, it's amazing how how quickly things can change in the NBA. So uh, to remain some sort of objective mindset about this, you know Ben Simmons is a top 40-ish player. All M- he's he's got three All Stars on his resume. He's also got an All NBA. You know he is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He will be for the rest of his career. So look, Ben Simmons on the Brooklyn Nets would be uh, an ideal fit. Likelihood probably zero out of ten. Yeah, 100%
1: right there, Jack. But uh, like you said, we'll catch, you know, the rest of these trades. We got a lot more to discuss. You know, this will be dropping on Friday, probably be dropping something hopefully early next week for you guys with the rest of the trades, hit you with some more off-season content. But as always, Jack, a pleasure and big thanks to everybody for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.